On this week's Bet the Process podcast, Rufus and I ramble about a few topics. One, his trip to the U.S. Open. Um, spoiler, very uneventful. Uh, we talk a little bit about the Calcutta. Actually, we talk a lot about the Calcutta. And then talk a little bit about me not hedging. And then finally, we end with a, a brief thing on our own golf prowess and a new tool on Unabated. So with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast where Rufus is in a car sitting there looking like he's at a rest area from something about mary get the reference rufus i do indeed (laughs) uh little little freaky uh car situation um actually more looks like blair witch project wasn't that based out of maine where you are uh i think that was maryland maybe it's maine i don't remember i think it's maryland though yeah uh so U.S. Open, you went to the U.S. Open, right? I did. Is that pretty fun? And, and you actually won money in our Calcutta. Which I, I won know. money in the Calcutta, that's all. I did not win money overall. Got it. Uh, how was experiencing the U.S. Open? It was a lot of fun. I, I had a fantastic time. Um, Were there any takeaways from watching the U.S. Open for your gambling? Um, I had a few ideas they kind of came out of stuff I saw Um, nothing like nothing major though, but it was, I don't know. It was, it was just a lot of fun. Um, I love golf. (laughs) You got nothing more for us. Not really. I mean, the narrative. I I did, I did, I did did see your boy, your boy, Joel Damon, who, uh, well, why don't we tell it? Uh, okay. Well, I'll let you, I'll let you tell the story first. So Joel Damon started following me on Twitter about a month ago, I think, or maybe a little bit more than a month ago, probably about two months ago. And he and I have been DMing every once in a while. And uh, when I got him in his group in the Calcutta, I sent him a text that said, got you in a high stakes Calcutta. Good luck, man. And then he wrote a cry. He sent me a crying emoji that says, is there a net division? Wait, do you mean a laughing, a laughing emoji? Uh, maybe that's a laughing emoji. That's I it. I think it is. I thought it was a crying emoji for so long. Not very good at emojis. What? No, I thought it was a crying emoji for so long, Jeff. And then someone was like, why would you be laughing at something? Because someone had sent some bad news text and I replied with that emoji and they thought I was laughing at them. And it all, yeah. Well, so he was, t- he was what, tied for first after, eight, after 18? He was... Um, you were after 36 holes, I think. He was, he, tied for yes. first after he was alone in first after 27 holes when I rented him on the 10th hole. And you tried to jinx him. I told him, I told him, uh, I, I said to him, Joel, I would be rooting for you, but I don't want Jeff Ma to win another Calcutta. And I heard he like laughed at you or? He, he didn't even look over at me, but he like, his face broke into a smile. <laughs> That's great. 
Uh, what was he? What was his demeanor like on the course? Because you followed him for a while, right? I did. He was intently focused. He seemed like mentally very tough and resolute, and just like he was in the zone. Like nothing was nothing was really getting to him. He wasn't. If he made a putt, like it was like I don't know. It, it he he just, it was like a look of determination. What odds would you give me of him winning a major before his career is over? Hmm. Here's the thing. I mean, I think he's people have said, and and I'm not a talent evaluator, but that he's extremely talented. And it's always like, if he puts it together and, you know, puts in like, like the work and whatever. Right. Um, I, but I would say that's a really good question. What odds would I give you? Or what do I think the true odds are? Uh, you can do both, and then maybe I'll take whatever you give me, and we can have a fun bet until the end. Fun, of a fun, a fun bet that that you know will settle in what he's thirty three, I think. Ten years, fifteen years. Can, can, can we can we say ten years because that's realistically, or maybe fifteen? I guess let's do fifteen. We can do fifteen years. I mean, the odds of winning a major 15, after age forty five years in that right. time. Let's say. Let's say he's approximately a hundred to one in each major, and that's being generous right now. But that's you know he could improve. Generous. Very generous, right? So, and and that he plays every major. So, or let's say like how many majors? What, what do we expect him to play? Not every major, but um, ten year. Let's say he plays forty majors. Based on that, you, we'd say he has a one in three chance of winning a major, but I don't think that's, I'll sell that to you all day. Yeah, I know you will. I, I, I don't think, yeah, uh, I was, I was trying to give a price that was, uh, I was trying to take a, a lot I of, mean, what, is, what are his, what are was, his best market odds that he's ever had to win a major? It's gotta be well over a hundred to one. Right? Yeah, for, for sure. For sure. I, so, the thing is, here's the thing though. He could like these scenarios. I mean, we can't just say, you know, these are going to be his odds, each one independently, because he could get better, he could get worse. Right. Dynamic uncertainty, as you said. Dynamic uncertainty, indeed. So there is a universe where he ends up being a guy that is, you know, 100 to 1 on average for majors. He could be like essentially a Siwoo Kim. Right. Who still won't win a major, um, because I bet on him. But um, I would say, let's say, a more realistic number might would be i'd give you i'd I'd let you lay where i give you six to one i'd probably take ten to one yeah i don't think i'd offer ten to one you wouldn't do it for ten to one so so if i said he had a one in 200 chance and played 30 majors just like that that's minus 614 but I don't think he has a one in 200 chance. I think it's no, but, but you're right. But the thing is that that's average. So, I mean, but if we take, you know, the, he may not even get to 15, a 15 year career, right? No, it's very true. So, I mean, I, 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 mean, I, was, I think 10 to one is relatively bearish. I don't know. I mean, I think him playing every major is an underdog. I'll, I'll take the under on 60 majors. He plays in the next 15. Years. I didn't say 60. I said I was I, I was using thirty for the first career. Okay, so and that's, going that's, forward. that's a high number, for sure. 
Let, let, let's see. How, here's a question. How many majors do you think he's played in his career so far? I think he's probably played nine or ten. Yeah, not a lot. That sounds about right. He's 34. Something like that. Something like that. Let's see here. Dole Damon career majors. Um, gosh, it's really hard to find that. Okay. Wikipedia. Wikipedia will have it. Former tours. He's played on the live. No, best result in major championship. He's never played go. in a Masters. Yeah. He's played in, let's see, four PGAs, three U.S. Open, seven, and three Open Championships. So he's played in 10 majors. What's his best finish? Uh, T10. He's finished T10 twice. Yeah. I mean, including this was T10. Yeah. I don't know why I asked that. Of course, he it was. Missed the cut four out of what does NT mean? I mean, no tournament. No tournament to that year? Yeah. Due to COVID. Oh, no. Okay. So he's only played in nine. So I was right. He's played in nine. He's missed the cut four times. He's finished. T71, T10, T55, T10, T46. So it's a lot of Joel Damon talk, really. It is. I, I like him, though, even though I was uh, not rooting for him to win because I did not want you to win another Calcutta. I wanted to make money in the Calcutta. Um, well, you did. I did make money in the Calcutta. But because I was rooting against Joel Damon, it probably messed up my, uh, my juju, my karma. And I got... And then the cut went, and the cut ended up being plus four or plus three, and so it got it got me uh, shit hammered. I bet. Well, oh, really? What did you need the cut to be? Plus three. I had. I think we had of. I was texting my brother before my phone died, and when I was out there, and and he was like, "We really need the cut to be plus four. I was like, "Okay, we're not going to get shellacked, though, will we?" He's like, "Nah." And then when I turn on my phone, it, there's a message from him that says, Jesus, well, we got shellacked. Um, and it's all out of like all the matchups that were decided um, on Friday, we were like our, our plus minus in strokes was like minus two strokes, yet they were down $150,000 um, because it was all, we, we lost, um, we lost a lot of close ones. That's what it came down to. Interesting. Yeah, we had we had we had Connors, um, we had Fina, we had M, we had you know um, a, a matchup on Sergio. We had there was one other guy. Oh, Shane Lowry. Yeah. Webb Simpson. How did you evaluate your uh, your partner's performance at the Calcutta? Um, I think he's the, the interim tag is going to get taken off, for sure. He's just going to be your Calcutta guy. I, I didn't see it, so. Um, but but the results looked pretty good, so it's better than any results I've had. Yeah, you, exactly. you, you, you said you. he was harder to read. Yeah, so I'm very easy to read. So I'm not a good poker player. You are, you are pretty easy to read. And, I mean, I think we probably could have read him similarly to you, but for, for whatever reason, we didn't. Um, Wait, why could you have read him similar to me? I just don't feel like he was going to bid much over your. He would have. I don't think he would ever really bid over your reservation price. Which mm, I don't know. It seems like he was fairly aggressive. Was he? I don't know. From what you said, it's hard to tell. 
I mean, I was surprised that I got Rom off of you guys at the price I got him. Jeff, I think you're the only one that bids over your reservation price, though, or over like not your reservation price, but over at a price that it would be negative EV. Yeah, maybe, but I mean, I think it's I think like you have to do that if you want to have, you know, if you want to drive the pot up and get values off of some of your other stuff, you have to take some chances. I think. Yeah, I think it's a collective action problem though, because if you do that, you're you're taking the risk. It's fantastic for everybody else because they, they don't actually have to take that risk that they're going to get called on their, you know, on their bluff in essence. You're you're, but but we all get the benefit. So well, I just don't think it. I, I just think I just I just think from a risk reward perspective, it doesn't make sense to ever go above that just because of that. Unless you're 100 percent sure that somebody's gonna, you know. Well, you can't 100%. ever be 100 sure. No, but what are you like to go and get like make somebody pay another hundred dollars or two hundred dollars more or even a thousand dollars more? What's that doing to your overall EV? Maybe not a lot. Higher. Like marginally, yes, maybe. It's all on the margin, Rufus. You do it. You do it forty times, and then there's significantly more money. Yeah, but when you you get called out on, and I also it don't sometimes. think I also don't think that people I don't I don't think some of the people in the Calcutta have well established reservation prices. Well, I think a lot of the people in the Calcutta, I mean, are never going to bid on something that is in a ten percent edge or something like that. Right. Like I think Logan is only taking the stuff where he has a very very big difference. I think that's true, and that's why he ended up with very few golfers this this time. Yeah, and and he ends up and he he gets a good return because it's one like and I mean because those are his strongest ones most likely. All right, so maybe maybe next next Calcutta I will just bid to ten percent value of my reservation price and call it. You will own a lot. You will own dramatically fewer golfers, and the pot will be much lower. I agree. It'll, it would be uh, interesting well, to see what would happen if you basically like, if we had a Calcutta without you, how, what would that pot size be? I mean, I tried, I was pretty patient generally this one. And then I got caught on a couple golfers that I didn't think I was going to, I didn't think I was going to get. John Rom. No, I was fine with Rom. Who was, was Ian bidding with you for John Rom for a while? Yeah, he bid until the end. Cam Smith, Rom, Cam Smith was one I didn't think I would end up getting stuck with, and I got stuck with him right around right around what our model was. Okay. And uh, who else? There was one other golfer that that was the case where I ended up. Um, Rom was right around what our model was too. We got we felt good about JT compared to Rory. JT was value for us. I had I mean JT Rory, Scheffler, and. But JT, Rory, Shuffler, and Rom were all, at least in according to my numbers, were all pretty like tight. Um, it, it was ser- it, it, tightly clustered. It was certainly like a tier one, and there was a pretty big job of after that. But like none of them were very far apart. Right. It was interesting that it was, um, I mean, wait, how many, you owned the field. How many groups did you own? Uh, probably six or seven. So a little less than normal? No, I mean, I don't own as many groups. It, it, it's, it just depends. It's, I, it's not, I don't think 
I don't think um, Will's model overvalues the the groups. I think it overvalues or it values differently some of the less known players in the field, right? Or less known players in the groups. And I think there were a bunch of you know, like European players and things like that that Will's model val value differently, right? And yeah. I would say generally, like we've gotten pre pretty good returns on on our groups, like. We had Pereira, even in this time, we had like Hadwin and uh, Damon and, you know, we had a bunch of, a few, I mean, like. Right. We had those were like, you got, you got 5% out of those guys total, right? Uh, no, you get more because. No, you split the, oh, you got a, you got a prop out of them too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we definitely got value on our bets in the PGA with Mito Pereira. For sure. Yeah. What's interesting, I mean, this week was, you had a lot of guys, you had, I don't want to say no names because they were definitely not no names to me, but, you know, the Patrick Rogers of the world, um, Aaron Wise, who actually was, you know, I think, fairly highly thought of. Um, Aaron Wise wasn't, in, the, wasn't in any of the groups. He was t he was in the top fifty. Aaron Wise was. Yeah. You sure? Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Um, but so, but, uh, and Harmon was too. But but like guys like Rogers, you had MJ. Apparently, it's pronounced Duffy. Dufu. Um, you know what's what? I mean, I know that I know that we were going to get caught at some point, but we were, you know, obviously with Will's. Will calculating what our EV is. We were very plus EV, like through the day three. We had had over fifty percent of the top twelve, and then on Sunday, all of our golfers shit the bed. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, wait, you who did you have Burns? Or Burns? Yeah, that was. Rom. I mean, you think Burns and Rom, like? And did Rom even cash? Yeah, it was twelve. Okay. But like, but but if you think about that, Rufus. If you have Rom and Burns in the position they were are in going into Sunday, you're in pretty reasonable shape, right? Those are two yeah. of the top ten golfers in their top five in the tournament at that point, well, right? And Rom was solo first um, going into the fifty fourth hole, yeah, which he double bogeyed, um, and so he's he's one stroke back. Whereas for me, I had I had Scheffler and and Fitzpatrick, and that was it. And those two ended up working out. Although I'll say before that I had, um, you know, going into the weekend, I had like, it was those two Shoffley and Harmon were my guys. Um, and then and Shoffley and Harmon ejected. Uh, but I, I think, I mean, what you, what you saw the, this tournament was a lot of sort of the no name guys being up there early and steadily dropping out, you know? Um, and you ended up with like, a really a really really stacked leaderboard with like the top guys yeah i mean it was a fan i mean if you look at the top i mean leaderboard like everybody up there is really freaking good until you get to like adam hadwin come on i had hadwin well i know but i mean you're not going to say he's a, a really freaking good golfer relative to those other guys he got us he got us a prop bet he got us the best overall he did great for you he did really great for us um Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through just to go through the more the most painful part of this whole thing. Post mortem, are you, are you gonna go for? Are you gonna say who else you had up there? Well, so Hadwin, 
was our top guy shot a had, 70 had when, i mean had that, that's nice that, i mean i did not expect him to stay up there um on sunday like he did oh, even I, I, I had a round bet of him against uh keegan bradley for round four that pushed but adwin damon rom and then we had hayden buck hadwin and damon i think you don't have anything to complain about there with their son no but but i mean we had hayden buckley who was t14 shot a 71 i mean 71 is 71 that he so he he shot over expectation on sunday Nick Hardy shot a 72. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Weiss shot a 74. Sam Burns shot a 76. We had MJ Duffy, but he actually shot a 69. So that's, that's pretty good. We had Todd yeah, he, shot a 70. Like, we just had so many random guys. You had that Todd's, top, top 30. Patrick Rogers shot a 74. The thing is, okay, so if you think about it, Think about like a, a bell curve, okay, of these guys' performances, right? Like you're going to get like a top 30 for like an MJ Duffy. You know, you're going to get so many more top 30s that, than you are top 10s. Like you're probably, you're going to get like I, I hear 10x I hear the top 30s in the top 10s. It's it's so like, you're, you're going to allow I'm going to draw the parallel, Jeff, though. The, the parallel is basically going to be to people that say, oh, I hit seven of eight legs on a parlay. How, right. you know. How many? How much more often are you going to hit seven legs than hit all eight legs? Yeah. Yeah. So well, how, how many more? How many more times? Are you going to hit seven legs than eight legs? Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, five times, whatever, something like that. Seven times. Seven times, whatever. Same thing. <laughs> or is it eight times? I think it's seven times. Can't do math. Yeah. Uh. Think about how many combinations you have of the seven yeah. of eight, and you only have one combination of eight of eight. I'm ready to move on from my complaining. I, you're gonna, you're gonna, uh, you're gonna give me though that Rom and Burns were not the greatest beats on Sunday. Yeah, I'll, I'll 100% give you that. I'll say with with the other guys though. I mean, you don't really expect that. Like you're hoping you get lucky with one of those, and you or two of those, and you kind of did with with Damon and with. Um, Burns. With Hadwin hanging tough there, but yeah. you expect more from Robin Burns for sure. I agree with that, and and those are the guys with the upside to potentially so we were probably, to get you the win, right? So yeah, I mean we were probably got screwed on Sunday for five percent at that point, maybe seven percent. So who knows? We were probably still going to lose. Well, I got screwed uh, by the cut for like three hundred grand. So well, but, uh, can we talk about my? lack of hedging or finish the hedging conversation about the Celtics. Sure. Uh, by the way, I, I almost went to that game. I was thinking about going then, but I was like, eh, I, I was in Boston. Get... I'm just not, I'm just not enough of a fan to, to really justify going. Well, I went to games one and games five. And when I went to game five, um, after the game, so um i went to the uh to the like there's like a courtside club where like usually i run into people i know and we were a few of us were waiting to go meet mike zarin our friend um for a drink at the saint regis i know i know zarin obviously yeah. and uh as i said our friend mike zarin okay. and so i thought um, you meant you and your friends as friend okay no but i'm friends with mike right. zarin. yeah we've all been at dinner together. i know 
so anyway, so we're gonna go meet Mike Zarin, and um, I was like kind of waiting till like the traffic around died, and I ran into Dave Chang, and so you know who Dave Chang is right, Momofuku. Of course. Yeah. Hello. How many times? How many? How many? Vegas, how many major domo experiences we had together, Jeff? And so Chang and I hung out for a while, and then I said, uh, "Hey, I'm gonna go to the St. Regis," and he goes, "Oh, I'm gonna go meet, meet Bill Simmons at the St. Regis also." So we're like, "Let's figure out how to get there together," and we're trying to figure out how to get there, and we go downstairs to like the area where the Ubers are pulling up and things like that, and all the Ubers are canceling on us. So we're like, how do we get there? And they have these like these scooters, right? That you can get on. And neither of us have ever ridden a scooter before. I haven't either. And, yeah. And it's about three miles to St. Regis. Neither of us have helmets. And we're sitting there like with our cell phones, trying to add the app, trying to get, add money to the app to get these scooters to go. And thank God for all of us. And Chang actually said at one point, why is nobody filming this? This, this is like ridiculous like content and then Chang, and then at some point says to me he says uh well i i actually think to myself i'm like god bless the fact that we can't get these things working it probably saved our lives and eventually Chang was able to get an uber and we took an uber there so but um that was my story from going to the game but i th that game was an incredibly sad game because I went at halftime to go get some drinks and some food and the lounge, the club I was in um, was a little bit crowded. So it took me a little while. And when I got everything, the game had already started and the Celtics went on this tremendous run. Now they're going on this run. The Warriors basically haven't scored as a fan. The 12 to two run. Yeah. As a no, fan. No, no. That was game it was, six. It was, right? it was a something to nothing run. It, this was in game five. Okay. This is, the Warriors, I don't think, had scored yet in that quarter. And I was thinking to myself, do I go back to my seat or not? Like, I feel like I shouldn't go back to my seat until, like, mm -hmm. the Celtic, until, like, the Celtics are in bad shape again or something like that. Because clearly leaving the game had had an effect on the outcome. You know, oh, I well, had for had sure, for sure. So, well, I ended up waiting till they scored, the Warriors did, and then I went back to my seat. So I did my part as a fan. I think. Yeah. Was, uh, were you cheering very loudly for the Celtics? No, I don't really do that. The Warriors stadium. No, I don't, I don't see you doing that. What's that? I mean, you, you, you root in silence. I know a lot of people that work for the Warriors. I respect the organization. You know, obviously I'm a Celtics fan. And like when, when the team's actually losing, then I feel less bad about cheering loudly. Like if they're winning, I would never rub it in anyone's face, especially in their own building. And in game one, I was there. And the Celtics had a huge comeback, which was amazing. But I, I find myself okay with the fact that I didn't hedge. And I just felt got so much of that great sports, like, like love it during this, during the series where I was just, such a fan of the Celtics every day I woke up thinking about them hoping that they would win reading angles about what they should do texting people that coach or play, that work on the Celtics about what they should be doing with their rotations like uh -huh. and like but I was so obsessed and being that obsessed about you know sports again in that way was just it was just exciting and I mean 
it was a combination of my fandom and my, you know, 40 to one bet um, that really like drove me. And I think if I had hedged, like I wouldn't have had that same amount of fandom. And as effed up as that sounds, it's just like, it's kind of to me why we follow sports and why we care about sports so much. And like part of that 40 to one thing was not necessarily the money. It was like, like the sort of like, Oh, I was right about this bet or, or Preston was right about this bet. Although I think I may have made that bet before Preston actually said his thing. Um, I think I had just sadly made it, you know, at a point when the Celtics were so bad or were bad. And I was like, man, if they, you know, if they turn it around or if they win this year, I just kind of don't want to be the, not holding a ticket when they win it, as weird as that sounds. I feel you. And and I think, I mean, first off, though, you also said you had Warriors tickets, too. So you, you, I you did, did honestly, have, like, there I already up, was a hedge. I ended up, but I ended up basically breaking even because I, I but, kept, I bet on the Celtics in a bunch of games and I bet, and I just like kind of just kept piling on the Celtics. And I got it to a point where I like, I literally just wasn't going to lose money no matter what, but I, I'd only made like a little bit of money. So, you know, it reminds me of, and I think I mentioned this before, but when the Orioles made the playoffs, actually both in 2012 and 2014, I went to all the playoff games and I didn't even run my model because I, I, you know, I'm a diehard Orioles fan and, and I lived through the dark years of 1998 to 2011 and with no winning seasons. And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to bet against them and I, I didn't need to bet for them because I already had. I, I had enough emotional investment. I had so much emotional investment. So, um, so I just didn't bet. And, and I had that sort of true fan experience. Yeah. And it was great. And it was painful, you know? Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Um, you had Any mentioned something topic? else. We talked about us open. We talked about the Calcutta. Oh, unabated. You want to talk about unabated, your new uh, MLB in play model? Yeah, we can talk about that. Um, yeah, we so we, we've launched a in play uh, derivatives tool that basically allows you to price out um, derivatives off of a one market. So let's say you see that deck prism is offered deck prism prices some line at minus one and a half minus one or two and and DraftKings is offering um a game money line of you know minus 150 like well what's that you know you want to know you want to be able to compare that so it allows you to essentially compare lines across across books um for live baseball so that was that was a uh it's a simulation based product we actually built um it was a lot of fun and you know a lot of credit um most of the credit goes to to, to zach and jake who we did the majority of the work on the on it, but um, I think it's a really, uh, I think it's a really cool product. It's a derivatives trading tool for live baseball, so that is simulation based, and we're able to implement it um, such that it, it works like in real time, like you have click you been, and get a response. Have you any baseball yourself? No, not even part of another group or using someone else's model. Um, I think somebody else is um, that did like last year. I think um, I think there is someone else that is betting, and I have a small stake. But I think that's like a stake in like three hundred thousand bet this year or something like that. So it's not like I I have not been checking or anything like that. I haven't. I don't know if I've watched a baseball game this year. 
which is like it's crazy because i've always been a huge baseball fan me too and i just don't find i don't know what's going on like i don't i don't even really like have any desire to watch it and i haven't bet a single baseball game either not even just like for shits and giggles um you know like i uh yeah i, I mean i it, it's crazy to me that this is the way that i've become like where i don't even follow baseball but it's it it uh it is it's true and and i think you know i wonder when what do you think would cause me to bet my first baseball game this year do you think i will bet a baseball game this year i think you will pre-playoffs mm, i think you probably still will what would you make the market right now if if, if you were betting one of our i have no idea i have no idea baseball i mean i wouldn't <laughs> i mean i can too easily influence that outcome well, you can't. How would you influence that outcome? If we, okay, if you and I went to a baseball game together, we would bet on it. Yeah, but I could tell you, I'm not going to the baseball game with you. Yeah, but I would if, say the no right have... now. I would say the no right now of me betting a, a regular season baseball game this year is plus four hundred. What about wait? What about what happened to the model? You know, like the last, the last, last year, I could tell that um, Renz, who I was working with on it, was too busy to really run it correctly. And like, I would constantly have to like remind him on things. And, um, you know, and if there were up, and so this year I was like, well, I'm not even going to get into it if he doesn't really have the time to do it and he's not really betting it himself. So I didn't really even ping him on it. Um, and I kind of felt okay, you know. I have two young kids, and it's I was gonna nice say, to like, not, it's nice to like not be sweating games. And baseball is like the ultimate sweat, right? Like it's baseball. a sweat every night, and so it's nice to take that time off. I, I definitely could use a little bit now that the NBA season's over. I could use a little bit of a sweat. I mean, you need some golf sweats, man. You don't give me you give me lines, and by the time you give them to me, they're they're all. They, they're what about all, Will? What about Will? Yeah, I mean, I could, but I think Will thinks his stuff is better as a DFS, right? He says his matchups don't do well, right? I don't know. I'm going to see him. Uh, I see him next week. Where are you going to see him? Montana. Oh, is there a AP conference? AP Summit, yeah. Where is, where is it and when is it? In Montana? Whitefish, Montana. Is it for, are you guys fishing and stuff like that? Um. I'm not. Um, I don't think people are. There's all sorts of fun events set up. There's going to be presentations. There's a little golf tournament. There's um, hiking, water sports. It's it's a it's a fun little crew. It's i you know you know I met Captain Jack at one of those, the one in 2019. So I would not know Captain Jack personally if not for that. If not for Will. Will's the best, man. Will's, Will's fantastic. He's such a good guy. Yeah. And Will actually motivated me to um, build some stuff for my golf. Because he was, when I when I talked to him, I mean, he showed me what his, like, he he built this sort of interface, this sort of trading platform for his golf. And I was like, man, I need something like that. So, um, you know, I was I was so impressed at how automated all his stuff was. You know, the other thing is like, 
I I think that like the betting golf would be a gateway to betting baseball. <laughs> and so I, I I mean golf golf the thing is though like I do think baseball and golf are very different sweats. So golf's every week. Golf's more like the NFL. Whereas baseball really is every day. And I do not miss betting it one single bit because you know what I hate about even, golf. Even if you're having wait, in baseball, even if you're having a good season, you're gonna have a downturn. And there's gonna be a stretch where it feels like every bet you make is destined to lose. You know those stretches, right, Jeff? Oh yeah, for sure. And and it's just impossible to escape it. Like even if you're having a bad football season or something, you know, you don't have to deal with it every day. You deal with it on the weekend. And then you have the week to recover. Yeah. I, the other thing that I don't really like love about, about, well, what I love doing in golf is betting uh, outrights after round two and often just betting like a couple of the favorites. Well, that's, there's more value betting the favorites than betting the long shots there. Yeah. And I always just find that like, I've actually have probably plus EV doing that over the time with, with no model, basically just kind of like picking some of the favorites and, making a go of it i never got my my down with btp shirt i don't think maybe i did i think yeah it's did you see the guy that showed up at our at our uh at our thing that said i am and it was a fraction and the fraction was one divided by seven he's the guy that lives in vegas and he's actually texted you because his twitter is like engineer your body He's like a rocket scientist. That also, oh, that guy. Yeah, he wants yeah. to help you work out and be more efficient. Yeah. That guy seemed awesome. He showed up at he showed up at the Westgate, you know, and I really had zero desire desire to talk to him, unfortunately, because of the fact that he came in the fourth quarter of the Celtics game while the Celtics oh. were melting down in game four. You had zero desire to talk to anybody then, I'm sure. Yeah, not really. It was that was a tough. I know that, that was a tough feeling. 24 hours because then I proceeded to like dump cash in craps like nobody's business. I was up on everything at that point. You know, the Celtics looked like, you know, they were going to go up 3-1. Uh, I was up a bunch playing craps. And then the next 24 hours of my life was all losing. Actually, the, maybe, everything's been pretty bad. Maybe I'm your good luck charm. You weren't there at the beginning of the trip. The beginning of the trip was great. Oh, no, but, like, you always win in craps when I'm around. That's true. You probably are my good luck charm. So you'll be there in September when we go out again. Sure thing. Yeah. All right, peeps. Uh, I think that's our podcast for now. Rufus, go uh, leave the rest area, head home, and we'll all talk to you again uh, um, maybe next week. No. I'll I'll say this. We don't have have fast – like, I mean, it's it's a small town in Maine. small village actually and and they don't have super fast internet and or it's just it can't handle like both my parents streaming stuff and me doing a podcast at the same time without like what's your your handicap right now um i i input some scores it it's probably going to go up a little bit it got down to a low of a 4.6 but i have not played well the last like the last let's, month let's I let's, played many post this, let's post a course that we want to play together at some point so let's play southern highlands we'll play there we'll play we'll get shane to take us out there in in uh in september when i come 
And we're gonna let's assume we were playing right now. I'm curious what how many strokes you would be giving me. What's your handicap? It, I'm down to a 17.4. Nice under sub 18. Yeah. yeah. So let's see. I'd probably be giving you my guess is gonna be it's like 16 strokes. You're 4.6 right now, Rufus. I know. You just look me up. Yeah, I did. Uh, okay, select tees. We probably play from the member tees. Yeah, you'd be giving me 15 strokes. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be giving you that much many because over the summer, my handicap is destined to go up and yours hopefully will go down. But I will be. We'll see. My guess yeah. will oh. be when we play in September, my guess is that my handicap will be sub 16. I like it. And I'm guessing I'll probably be a six point something. So just realistically. Yeah. By the way, I'm playing um, in two weeks. I'm going, um, my brother is setting up this trip. We're going to Nova Scotia to play uh, these two courses that are one is number ranked number 11 in the world, and the other is number 34 Cabot Cliffs and Cabot Links. It's, nice. If you see pictures of these, it's like stunning. It's these cliffs overlooking the ocean, it looks amazing. Nice. Can't wait. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening, especially the people that end up listening to our silly banter of golf talk. And we'll talk to you all again maybe next week. I'm headed to Israel on Thursday. Ooh. Yeah. I'm headed I, I'm headed to a wedding, then headed to Montana, then headed back to Maine, then headed to Nova Scotia. So that covers me to, like, July 8th. All right, man. Well, okay. hopefully we'll see you soon, and uh, we'll talk to all of you guys, if not next week, maybe the week after, if Rufus isn't in Nova Scotia. We need to get Sizzle on. Sizzle is supposed to be on soon, so we'll text him again and try to get it, get him locked down. Sounds good. Thank all you right. for listening to our, our silly uh, dancer podcast, everybody. See you next time. The breakdown of data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are about to end just running off a of leaded. 